Now, uh, offering anyone? We have the scripture in Matthew chapter 11, 12 through 15. I actually have four different places I want us to look, but I don't know if we'll get that far. Uh, so we'll start there when we read that text. But first I wanted to comment just a couple of things on the virus. I had got a magazine in the mail yesterday. Uh, someone somewhere or another gave me a gift. What do you call it? Subscription, I believe, <laughs> to it. So it comes without even me thinking of it. And then I said, oh, there it is. But, and it's a, it's a real, how can I say, high profile magazine uh, in certain circles and whatever. There are some good stuff here and there in there. And as I was reading one of the articles, this writer is commenting, and I thought his things were very, very uh, clear. <clears throat> He's, he, in his article, he does give probably about five different uh, conspiracy theories that are floating around and saying there might be a little bit of truth in all of them or in some of them, in some of them, concerning the virus, uh, where it originated, why it is and why that. You got some saying it's God's judgment, some saying it's of the devil. You got all this stuff swirling around. And so <clears throat> for the Christian to have a clear, uh, effective, personal and corporate view, if I could say it that way, and for us to be effective during it and hopefully when it gets subsided. Uh, so <clears throat> his comments go like this. God is using the virus to, as a wake-up call to his people. True. To cry out for mercy, to repent of our sins, the Lord is getting the attention of the world. It's like you flip the switch and everybody's like, well, how's it going in this country? How's it going in that country? And it, really, we don't even have to ask it. They tell us a lot of it. Uh, so it's, it's, and it boggles my mind. I can't explain it, but it is worldwide to a great extent, uh, especially industrialized nations and even the other ones. But he said, this is not happening without God's permission. The Lord permits things to happen. And this is one of them. Uh, <clears throat> we could go on and on, but he said in the words of Catherine Booth, I know Brother Jeff knows who that is. Do y'all know who Catherine Booth is? Catherine Booth is the wife of William Booth, who is the father or the, the originator of Salvation Army. <clears throat> he and his wife both preached. Uh, but her words were, you're not in this world for yourself. You have been sent here for others. The world is waiting for you. Uh, and he said, the virus will uncover what is in our hearts. Hadn't it done that? 
be it faith or fear, generosity or greed, whatever's in our hearts, when things happen like they have and are happening, it's gonna come out. It'll be shown. In times of shaking, we'll see what's real and what is not. It's all the more reason though for us to get our roots deep down in God and to know the Lord rather than know about him. And we've been saying this before, way before. But it was interesting, I found same identical words and phrases in this article <laughs> that we've been saying for a long time. There's no, this lets me know the Lord is saying this to everyone. <clears throat> and he says, we do well to cherish every day we have and honor and care for those who are weak. He said, I believe the Spirit is saying that old lives matter too. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of interesting the way he put that. <laughs> but it also provides us a temporary look into the shaking of the world that's coming, God's judgment, when he really unleashes it on the world. This is just a tiny, tiny indicator of how it'd be sudden, worldwide, It'll affect everything and everybody, the judgment of God. <clears throat> he comments on Job. At the end of the book, God does not explain things to Job. After all he'd been through, all he had lost. Instead, God reveals himself to Job. And that is good enough for Job. <clears throat> And Job said in, in Job 42 and 5, uh, let's turn there. I should have had this verse already turned to, and I did not. I apologize. At the end, after it was all said and done, and, and as one preacher said, Job got double for his trouble. Uh, at Job 42... And verse five, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. He is talking to the Lord. He said, now, after all I've been through, I see you, I know you. And I hope that we can say that uh, in our life experience, especially after this uh, pandemic and all that we are going through. <clears throat> now, Matthew 11, verse 12 through 15. Uh, does someone wanna read all those verses? Verily I say unto you, among of them, among them that are born of woman, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the day of the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and all the law prophesied un, until John. And if we will receive it, this is Elias. 
which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. It, uh, uh, the reference are the one of the scriptures is in the same situation here in Luke 16 and 16 the way uh, Luke writes it is just a slightly worded differently but let's see here Luke 16 and 16 the law and the prophets were under John since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. Here, Luke is saying, every man presses into the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so, we see Jesus using these two words in the same phrase, same verse. Maybe the same sentence, I don't know. Violence and kingdom. <clears throat> um, Luke says we just read in 16 verse 16 every man presses into it or we could say storms his way one man said the kingdom of heaven is not for the well meaning but for the desperate no one drifts into the kingdom of God the kingdom only opens its doors to those who are prepared to make a great effort to get into it as men when they storm a city. I'm afraid in our Americanizing, if I could say it that way, of the gospel, of becoming uh, a part of the kingdom of God, being born again, and uh, growing, maturing. We painted a picture of Almost we have to do very little and God does it all. And he's going to bless me every day. I'm not going to have no pain. I'm not going to have very many trials because the Lord is so full of love. And if we're not careful, we will be uh, too passive in serving God. And when things come our way, we think, hey, wait. I, I thought I was a Christian and that the Lord wouldn't allow this to happen to me. Right. Matthew says here, in, and we read in our first part, Matthew says, <clears throat> from the time of John until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. If you read just across that and, keep, and you think, oh, man, yeah, whatever. Hell, he, well, he, he meant what he meant, but... What does it really mean for us today? What does it mean for me in my personal experience with the Lord and with others in this natural world that we are in? Uh, it sounds like the comment of Matthew uh, is saying here, from the days of John who was thrown into prison, if, if we had time to lay the foundation for this time where we are right here in scripture, John's in prison, Actually, he is in the desert in a little cubicle place way out there away from anybody. And if we read in the other gospels, we see where John sent his disciples and 
you know, to ask Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Uh, I wish we had time to get in all that, but I wanted to look at this, these two words here, violence and kingdom. <clears throat> and he's saying right down to our time, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and persecution at the hands of violent men. That is true. But one comment goes this way. It's likely that what Jesus may well have said is this. Always my kingdom will suffer violence. Savage men will try to break it up. Snatch it, destroy it, persecute it. Uh, therefore, only the man who is desperately earnest, only the man in whom the violence of devotion, maybe I should add that to this word over here, violence of devotion, Only that man that his devotion matches and defeats the violence of persecution will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whatever opposing forces are against us or that come against us, things that we thought, hey, I'm a religious person or I'm a Christian, whatever phrase you use, I thought, this don't happen to you know, some people ask the question, why does bad things happen to good people? <clears throat> it's part of the human experience. Yes. And it is part of God's design. Yes. You know, the, the, the word Christian in America has been so glamorized and, and uh, I don't know what the, Ephemized. several words. Ephemized. Effeminized, you're right about that now. Until we will thank our own experience with the Lord, since we ask him to forgive us of our sins, and we're going along this journey, and we are experiencing things that we thought, well, that's pretty good. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. But whoa, why did that happen? You know, our devotion to the Lord must really, and that's a strong word, but we must be strong to make it. Yeah. Our violence of our devotion must be stronger than the, and I don't even like to use the word persecution because we don't really know what that is in America. Yeah. You know, not really. We have, yes, we have social media, Lord forbid. We have uh, family pressures. We have economic now we have this COVID stuff, you know, and I'm saying just the culture of it, sure. pressing and changing things so dramatically overnight until it'll be mental, emotional, and maybe a little physical discomfort. Not really what I call persecution. But since we're so soft, we will allow these things to make us our devotion, if we had any in the first place, it'll drain it out. We have to, we must have enough devotion and be violent with it enough to overcome the opposition, oh, yes. whether it be emotional, cultural, economic, or whatever. And then, then you have trials of life, uh, things that happen. Uh, never thought I'd be saying it, but death in your family 
And you know, I'll be honest, yesterday about 11, I didn't even, oh, I'm recording. I didn't even tell my wife. About 11, it might have been about 10, 15 to 11 o'clock, somewhere in there. Uh, I think I heard a song on the radio, I believe, gospel of course, but uh, I heard a song on the radio and it got me to thinking and it just seemed like the whole world went boop. And I kind of melted down for about an hour. And uh, got to thinking about Chad and Paige and all those kind of things and all the questions. All the, and, and, and I didn't go so much on the questions as why this, why that. No, no, I, I've, I've committed that to the Lord. Right. But I'm just saying, you know, it just kind of fell in on me. But at the same time, I knew the Lord was right there. Yes. Yes. And so I started asking, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? tomorrow for Sunday school because I thought, you know, everything would be neat in the package and, and the lesson book and all and kind of find out Brother Vance did. And that's fine, the way he did so we can get the things back on track for the quarter and all. But <clears throat> I got to looking at the scripture. Uh, our lesson next Sunday picks up in Luke chapter 10, I think it is. Uh, and so I, I, and our whole quarter is on parables. Uh, so I got to thinking, what would be a way to get us maybe introduced again to the sayings of Jesus, the parables of Jesus? So I fell on this here. Uh, <clears throat> it may well be that the saying of Jesus was originally at one time, the same time, a warning of violence to come and a challenge to produce a devotion which would be stronger than that violence. See, in other countries, you know, there is no way you could go and preach some of the stuff that's preached in America because they have personally experienced the machete. Whack. Their loved ones dying, them themselves being mutilated to almost death in the name. They don't even have a church house to go to probably in some of those places. It's just because they confessed the Lord and said, I won't back down. And we, you know, we got air conditioning. <laughs> I mean, we got all kinds of luxuries and we still, some can't seem to come to church and, and be faithful to the Lord. Brother Robert, it's like violence of action or violence of devotion could be rephrased as violence of action. Being the first to make the move. Yeah. Because it, Man, Jesus said in this in these verses here, uh, he's talking a lot of John because you know they they came to uh, we'll we'll get that in our next section here. But they're looking at John, then they're looking at Jesus, two stark, differently yes. styled men in their ministry. <clears throat> but before we get into that verse, there. Uh, where he rebukes them in verse 16 through 19. <clears throat> uh, Jesus tells the people, John is the one that's my forerunner. Yeah. He's that Elias who waited for so long. He's the, he's the man. If you will accept the fact. In other words, they thought it would come in a different package, if I could say it that way. And sometimes the Lord comes to us 
in a package as rough as John the Baptist was, eating locusts and wild honey and camel hair for his clothes. Now he's rough. And probably hadn't shaved in a long time. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the Lord will speak directly to us in a package like that, or a man. Most times God uses a man. Yeah. Or a person. And we'll be so wrapped up in ourselves, we cannot hear what the Lord is saying. So let, you know, God can send his messenger. Men can refuse to recognize. He can send his truth, but men can refuse to see it. Now, this man says, God's revelation is powerless without man's response. God's revealed himself in nature. He's revealed himself in our daily walk. He reveals himself through other men. In many ways, God reveals himself People don't respond. Same way they did here in the scripture. Had John to pre, to forerun Jesus and make the way. He said, prepare your hearts, repent. As rough as he was, they, they couldn't comprehend it. They didn't respond to it. Now they're not responding to Jesus either. Uh, let's read verse 16 through 19. Uh, Brother Jeff, if you would. <clears throat> Matthew 11, 16 through 19. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is likened to children sitting in the market and calling unto their fellows, and with and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned uh, unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath the devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. Can't do nothing now. Exactly. Jesus was so saddened by their perverse nature. You had John. He came. Oh, wait, besides John, because he was, he was like John. Now Jesus comes and he's totally different than John in style and he's criticizing Jesus. He said, John didn't do it. Now you're doing it to the excess. You're a wine bibber. <laughs> to Jesus, men seemed like children playing in the village square. One group says, come, let us play at the wedding. Be happy. They said, we don't feel like being happy. Then they said, okay. Come, let us play at the funeral. They said, we don't feel like being sad. They were what the Scots called contrary. You ever known anybody to be contrary? Spiritually, especially at church, you know. It didn't matter what preacher was preaching, what song was being sung, or if there was a special meeting or a special invitation, all they had was a they were contrary about it. Don't want to be happy. Don't want to be sad. Never can please them. Nothing is, no, no matter what was offered, they found fault mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. The plain fact is when people don't want to listen to the truth, they can find an excuse for not listening. Brother Robert, if you ask them to do it the way they think it should be done, they refuse to do it. 
Yes, most all time. They won't do, they almost like the Pharisees here. They won't do it, but they won't let nobody else do it either. Right. They stand and block themselves and others from entering the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Grown men and women can be like spoiled children who refuse to play no matter what the game is. The Jews criticized Jesus for mixing too much in the ordinary life. In other words, they tell him, you know, John didn't mix with nobody. He was a loner. He was just a wild man or, or whatever. You know, now you, you're totally different than John. You mix it with everybody, you're just taking it to the other extreme. In the Lord, though, people were finding new life, new power to live, and access to God. And they could not see it. <clears throat> So, we must be careful and not be contrary like they were and criticize God's messenger. That is, whether it be pastor, evangelist, anyone. Don't even have to be a pastor, evangelist, or teacher. But it seems, you know, that the, <laughs> like they say, the one that's standing the tallest always gets the first bullet or whatever. You know, people want to criticize. They start with a pastor. And what is so evil now is they have those tools to spread it in a second to the whole church and text and all this kind of mess. There's no sense in that. No sense in that. It's contrary. It is, it is destructive. Uh, it's part of what I call modern life that that should be, uh, ooh, it's like fire. My dad always said fire was, let's see, how did he say that? Fire itself is a great servant, but a poor master. Fire in the fireplace is wonderful, but when the fire gets out of the fireplace, it burns the place down and it'll do the same in our life. That is the fire of passion, the fire of emotion. I mean, <clears throat> let's read, uh, if we have time quickly, verse 20 through 24. Uh, who has that? Read loud so they can hear it on the. Then began he to abide the city wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee. Sorry? Woe unto thee. Beseda. Beseda. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Herod, Herod, I think it's the word. Capernaum? Is that where it? No, he's Tyre and Sidon. Oh, Tyre and Sidon. Yes. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. <clears throat> but I say unto you, if it shall be more tolerable, tolerable for Parents and Sidon at the day of judgment, then 
Burnham. There's much here, but Jesus is really uh, condemning them. But he's doing it in a heartbroken manner. Uh, his, his voice is not saying, you're rotten and you ought to be kicked out. You ought to be doomed. He is heartbroken that they are not repenting. <clears throat> uh, and, and he mentioned these other cities, the... Uh, Raisin and Bethsaida. He is, I shouldn't use the word blast. He's condemning them because he'd done many mighty works there and they had not repented. <clears throat> uh, there's wonderful Greek words here if we had time to go into it. Uh, this woe here is sorrowful pity. In other words, he is sorrowful because of their sin. What was their sin? What was the sin of Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum? In comparison to Tyre and Sidon and Sodom of all places. Exactly. Indifference. Number one, they forgot the responsibility they had of their privilege. The cities of Galilee, and these are they named here, uh, <clears throat> have been given a privilege that these other cities have not. In other words, Tyre and Sidon or Sodom and Gomorrah, wicked, wicked places. He is looking at them in comparison or contrast to the ones in Galilee. The ones in Galilee had had Jesus personally visit them in person and do mighty works there. He, this is one of the places that references that place in John where John said if the world was full of books, we couldn't record all what Jesus had done. We don't have recorded in scripture what he'd done here, but he must have done mighty, mighty things in these cities and still they didn't repent. <clears throat> if a man who has had every chance to know the right and does wrong, he stands condemned. The greater our privilege, the greater our condemnation and responsibility is. And as Brother Jeff said, the sin of indifference, it is worst of all for it kills. It don't burn religion to death. It freezes it to death. It don't cut its head off. It suffocates. <clears throat> And the twin sin, if I could say it that way, to indifference is it is a sin to do nothing. Many a man's defense most likely on judgment day will be, but I never did 
anything. Or as a country boy would say, double negative, I didn't do nothing. That defense may in fact be the condemnation of man. It is a sin. It is a terrible sin, a terrible condemnation to be indifferent and to do nothing. I've known some men, I could name them right now. They're, none of you know them, but I'm just saying, some men that I've known, I can, I can think of three of them right now, just like, bam. <laughs> Great, powerful, kind of strange, <laughs> I've just thought of number four, but <laughs> kind of strange the way they carried on their ministry. And in some cases, I thought they kind of flubbed. Some of the things they did and said was kind of, I don't know about this. But one thing you can say about them, they was never guilty of being indifferent and never guilty of saying, well, I just, I, I hadn't done nothing. I hadn't done anything. They were constantly doing. And when they did mess up, they were man enough to say, sorry, I probably shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I, forgive me, Lord. You know, and they went on. They, they went on. So we be careful that we are not guilty of indifference and standing before the Lord and saying, I didn't do anything. That gets back to those same verses where it said, you know, in Titus, when you want to dance, we mourn and we want to cry. Right. Same thing. It don't, it don't matter what style the minister or ministry is or the church or anything, wherever, however you're witnessing, where you're going or not going, it don't matter any of that. That person is so contrary, they won't do anything. So be, let's be careful in our, in our living the Christian life, being an example and, uh, and, and, and I don't really want to divide at all between being in ministry <laughs> and living the Christian life just an average Christian. No, you gotta be careful there. I, I understand, Brother Jeff is a pastor. I'm not. No, no, no. But we're all together, laborers together in the vineyard. And so we 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 have to be sober and vigilant <laughs> that we are laboring together and not you know one trying to build up and the other one tearing down. No, 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 no. No, no. And surely we don't want to be like those in the marketplace and say, ah, I don't want to go to a wedding. I don't want to be happy. I don't want to go to a funeral. I don't want to be sad. I, I just, and Jesus said, this generation is like that. I don't want to be part of that generation. Never. <clears throat> uh, one other scripture let's look at real quickly. And I should have wrote those sins up there. We'll, we'll put a couple of them. We'll put uh, indifference. I'm not sure I'm spelling it right, but, and uh, what was the other one? Do nothing. And this one right here, it is clear in life history, and in the scripture. There are some opportunities, some 
inspirations that come in our life. And if we don't act on them right then, they may never come again. Me, myself, I've experienced some of these. <laughs> Thought would come to me. Go over by so-and-so's house, knock on the door. When they come to the door, just say this to them and turn around and walk off. And I have not done that. And that inspiration left. Never has come back. There are opportunities in our life that sometimes, a lot of times, only come one time. And that inspiration is there, that emotion is there to do it, and we need to act immediately. If we don't, there are some cities, I'm sure, that Jesus went through, and he had the message, the power of God, everything. They didn't act. They didn't want to be sad, didn't want to be happy, didn't want to be emotional, didn't want to do nothing, do anything. And they lost, eternally, they lost that opportunity. So we must be careful to seize every opportunity that the Lord provides. Let's, let's fast forward, if we could, real quickly, uh, to uh, Luke chapter 9, which is the chapter right before where we begin in our lesson next Sunday uh, in the parable there of uh, the Samaritan, I believe. But in Luke chapter 9, uh, and I guess we can read these scriptures real quick 57 through 62 <clears throat> uh, Luke 9 Oops. sometimes these pages are stick together 57 there's 62, and it came to pass, they went in the way. A certain man said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man know where to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. That's the second person. But he said, Lord, suffer me or allow me first to go bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Ooh. And another also said, this is the third, these are three people here, three individuals. Another said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home and uh, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. <clears throat> In the side margin of my Bible here, it says three half-hearted followers. <clears throat> uh, and I, I, I thought this was an interesting scripture here right before chapter 10 where our lesson is in that chapter 10 for next Sunday. And that, that last verse kind of jumped out, grabbed me. Uh, here we have words of Jesus to three would-be followers. The first man, Jesus said, 
before you follow me, you count the cost. <clears throat> the second one, well, in that case, no one can ever say that he was induced to follow Jesus and, and under false pretense. This first one said, I'll follow you wherever you go. <clears throat> and Jesus said, now be careful. Foxes have holes, birds of air, they got nests. I don't got anywhere to lay my head. In other words, do you understand when you follow me where we're going to go? We got no suburban to ride in. We don't got a cell phone. No, no air conditioning. No, I mean, <laughs> if we Americanize the thing, let's be careful. But <laughs> it may well be that we have done great hurt to the church by letting people think that church membership need not make so much difference in their life. If you really follow the Lord, if you are devoted, it'll totally change your life. And Jesus was trying to tell him that. Some people want to become a Christian or do, do oh, help me, Lord. Be careful here now. Uh, be careful. They want to praise God and worship God, but all they're looking for is the sweets. They're, 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 they're approaching the kingdom of God like a drive-through. They're selecting from the menu what they want and expect God to produce it. The Lord don't operate on those principles? Ooh, no. Jesus said to the second man, he sounded pretty harsh. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> it is probable the man's father was not dead. You ever thought of it that way? Because the man said, I, I follow him, but just, just hold on right there. Let me go bury my father. An English official in the East tells of a brilliant young Arab man who offered, was offered a scholarship at Oxford or Cambridge. He could choose either one. His answer was, I will take it after I have buried my father. At the time, his father was not much more than 40 years of age. The point Jesus is making and everything, there's a crucial moment. I was just making, making this point. The man in the story had a stirring in his heart to get out of his spiritual dead surrounding. If he missed that moment, he'd never get out. Jesus urges us to act at once when our hearts are stirred. Every one of these men, well, especially the two uh the second and third man promising the Lord I'll follow you oh Lord I'll do but wait and let me do this first undoubtedly each one of them had a stirring in their heart to follow the Lord and it came out boom I'll follow you I'll do anything you want me to do you better be careful when you say that you better really mean it. <laughs> but his words to the third man state a truth which no one can deny. If you ever plowed, 
you know this. A plowman plowing a straight furrow. Now these fellows that plowed this out here, they probably had a radio on and a cell phone and everything else. They wouldn't even pay any attention, probably wasn't even steering the tractor because of the GPS. Yeah. That's the only way they can get a road that straight in that big of a machine. I mean, it's like an air, like a laser band. <laughs> but if you're out there plowing and you look back, I guarantee you, you're gonna swerve to some degree. Yeah. And when you look down that road, when those plants comes up, right there it's gonna be a bobble. There are some whose heart is in the past. They walk forever looking backwards. Little stories told right here. Watkinson, the great preacher, once on the seaside, he was with his little grandson. They're walking along. They met an old minister. The old man was very disgruntled. And to add to his troubles, he had a slight stroke. The little boy, and it was, a, it was a, they must have talked. And they were saying in that day, they called it the sun stroke. Well, the little boy had been listening, but hadn't picked up on it quite clear enough. So when they left the old man, he turned to Watkinson and said, Granddad, I hope you never suffer from a sunset. He thought they said he had a sunset and that's what made him so grumpy. The Christian marches on not to the sunset but to the dawn. The watchword of the kingdom is not backwards but forwards. Jesus said follow me or return. I accept no lukewarm service. He left each one of these to make their own decision. But the third man, he told them, when you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. How, what, is our, what is our position in our experience with the Lord? How are we positioned? Uh, are we walking? sitting, standing. And when we are walking, are we looking forward? Who else in the scripture look back? There's a, is, there, the second shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus talks about that one, three words. The shortest verse is John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus will. The second shortest one is remember Lot's wife. Why? She did that right there. She looked back. She had to have one more look. So let's let's be careful that we follow the Lord wherever he leads. Mm.
just having graveside, but there are times that I am called upon to do a funeral, and the pastor's asking you, make it easy on me. Make it easy for me to be able to preach something good about you, huh? Amen. All right. Have your Bibles. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And if you would, stand with us as we take our text here this morning, Luke chapter 15. When you have it, say amen. All right, let's, uh, we're going to start in verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh again, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Now, if you would, drop down to uh, verse 11. You have it? Oh, come on now. Yes. Amen. Thank you. 
And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word. Lord, Your Word is a light that shines upon our lives. Your Word helps us to understand ourselves and those who are around us. And we thank You for Your Word, for through Your Word, Lord, we can find out who we are and what we are and which way we're heading. Here this morning, I ask and pray that You would bless us you would anoint us, not just the words that I speak, but the ears that hear, that the hearts would receive this engrafted word, and that, Lord, we can answer with a surety which way we're heading. Come by and move for us here this morning, we pray, and we thank you. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your keeping power. Thank you, Lord, that you're always there to help us if we'll just turn to you. <clears throat> Help us, anoint us, we pray. In your blessed and holy and righteous name we do pray. That name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. This morning I'd like to talk to us about two words that uh, I see in these different uh, stories that Jesus told here in Luke chapter 15. Wander or leaving. There is a difference. There's a difference between those who wander and those that leave. And so here, uh, if the Lord help me, I want to talk to us about that. Uh, these differences are important. And a lot of times when I talk to people and I'm witnessing to people and I'm working with people, really and truly the way that I work with them is based on the direction they are heading. Are you heading toward Christ or are you heading away from Christ? Are you heading toward the Lord or are you leaving, wandering? Uh, we, we see these scriptures and when I talk about wandering, I, I'm really using the word uh, here, stray. Sheep, stray. We can stray. Webster's defines the uh, word stray to wander as, a, uh, as from a direct course, you know, to kind of get off course a little bit, or to wander from the company or from the property lines or the limits as a sheep sometimes will get away from the flock, or to row, to wander a path or uh, uh, the path of duty or rectitude or to make a mistake, an error, to deviate from what that is correct, to wander, to rove at large, to play and feel unconfined, and to wander, to run a serpentine course, you know, to wander, to stray. Which way? Amen. Do these words fit you? I hope this morning under the sound of my voice that it's not fitting you. 
But I want you to understand that as pastor, many times when I look at you, I'm classifying you. Are you wandering or are you leaving? Are you astray or are you leaving? Uh, uh, the word here also in verse 5 when he said he, lo he lost. Uh, the Greek word here uh, actually means to fully destroy something. And that doesn't really capture uh, what Jesus was talking about here. This is a compound Greek word. Uh, two different words there. Uh, apo, which means away from something. Uh, away from something that was near. And then olethros, uh, uh, which means to ruin. To bring destruction. And so to lose means something has gotten away and it's heading for destruction. Can I tell you, if you're not heading toward Christ, you are heading for destruction. There is no middle ground. You can't just kind of, uh, you know, we, we, we laugh sometimes. We say, well, that person's trying to, to, you know, live on the fence. That doesn't work. Huh? There's always more of you on one side than the other. And so there's no use trying to do that. And so a person uh, who, uh, when it, Jesus said that he, if he lost one of them, he's talking about losing one, one who got separated, one who got called out. The enemy many times will try to call one of us out to gotta get us away from the rest of us. Did you know that? Any of y'all experienced that before? Ever felt like you were all by yourself and nobody cared? Nobody really would notice? You think in your mind, nobody will even notice that I'm gone. No. Hey men, people do notice. But the devil gets us in those places and he causes us to wander, to stray away from the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. When you go to feeling like nobody loves you, that's the time to come to church. Yes. That's the time to call your friends. Yes. Amen. And that's the time, amen, to realize who your true friends are and who your true enemies are. Uh, many years ago, I had this one particular uh, man that talked to me and he was, he was actually telling me something that was just, when I'm riding down the road, he's just blowing my mind. But I'm trying to act like, you know, uh, uh, you, know you know, and he got talking about his girlfriend. And how she was married. But whenever her husband was out of town, she'd call him up and they'd spend a few days together. Huh? And he said, you know, she loves me. She loves me. And I told him, she doesn't love you. He said, I told her I'm trying to go to church and to live right, but she still calls me. And I told him, she does not love you. Because if she loved you, she would want you to make it to heaven. She would not want you to be cast into hell. She would not want to cause you to slip. Amen. She does not love you. And a lot of times, those friends that are always telling us the bad things about church and always bringing up the preacher's faults, they don't love you. You want to know my faults? I got an office right there. 
Sit down, I'll tell you my faults. And if I miss any of them, feel free to let me know. Okay? I'll pray about it. Hey, look, I'm pastor, but I'm still a sheep. And I'm still trying to make my way. And so here uh, we see that this word that uh, Jesus uh, talked about, if he lose one of them, is one who's been separated from the flock. One who has wandered or strayed away from the Lord. One who has stopped walking or progressing. Amen. One who has stopped being part of the herd. Amen. Or even one uh, that's decided to go back to where it was from. Which way are you going? What's your direction? From the time that I genuinely got saved, from the time I made up my mind to serve the Lord, I've wanted to grow closer to God. I don't want to do anything in my life that's going to make me draw away from God. There have been times that I've been led astray. There's sometimes my attention span has caused me to to, uh, be astray. There have been times that uh, my uh, desire to provide for the family has caused me to stray. Come on. You know, there's so many things if we're not careful, we'll get our attention on. And it's good for us to be the best at our work and it's good for us to provide for our family and it's good for a lot of these things. But don't let any of that get between you and Jesus. Amen. Amen. Psalms 119 and 67 says, Before, notice how he says that, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I have kept thy word. You ever wondered why you got sick? You ever wondered why sometimes things in life just didn't work the way you were looking for them to work? It might be you had gone astray and the Lord was needing to get your attention. Amen. Uh, in my high school days, um, uh, my, my parents, they were nominal Christians. I loved them. Loved them greatly. And I appreciate what they did teach me. Amen. But in my uh, senior year, my intentions was to go hog wild. And even though my mom wasn't holiness, God hears the prayers of a mom. Yes, and she must have seen me come in drunk a few times and saw me going the wrong direction. And she must have prayed for me to get a hold of me in some way. My intentions was to, after graduation, I had my car packed and I was heading down to, I think it uh, I can't remember if it was Panama City Beach or one of those beaches down there that has all those high school and college kids going wild. That was my intentions. Didn't know when I was going to come back. But the day before graduation, I was practicing our school song, which I can't even remember now. And my throat was hurting really bad. Now I want to remind you, my intentions was to go wild, but at that particular time, I wasn't as wild as I wanted to be. And I hadn't even been dating any girls because, you know, when you date a girl, that's expensive. Yeah. Okay, come on. 
So anyway, so I hadn't been dating no girls or nothing like that, and, and but I was, you know, ready to go crazy. And uh, so I went to the doctor, and my my uh, my teacher, she told me, she said, if you don't have a doctor's excuse when you come back, you will not walk. And so anyway, I went there, and it was a, an old doctor, and he kind of laughed, and he chuckled, and he was an ear, nose, throat guy, and so... Some of those guys got them likes and they look up your nose and look down your throat, look in your ears. You know how all that goes, you know? And he, uh, he, uh, ah, you know, and then he chuckled a little bit more. And so then he turned on all the lights and uh, started writing. And I said, well, Doc, what is it? He said, well, he said, you've got what we call the kissing disease. <laughs> Sounds funny, don't it? But I ain't been kissing on nobody. And I was sick. He said, now I want you to go by the uh, pharmacy first and get this medicine because you're going to need it. I didn't know what he was talking about, but I found out. And then he said, go get this blood work done. I just want to make sure that I got the right diagnosis there. And so sure enough, by that night, I couldn't swallow. I couldn't sleep. I was in pain, running a fever. It was awful. And the next day was supposed to be graduation. No graduation for Brother Jeff. Amen. And by the time I came out of that, about two months later, I wasn't interested in doing all that stuff anymore. God had started to get a hold of my life. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Sometimes God loves us enough to hurt us. Sometimes He loves us enough to hobble us. Amen. To keep us from running our own paths and going our own directions and living our own ways. Amen. God loves us that much. And then, um, in, 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 in still in this particular verse here, there were a couple other things that I thought was, was interesting. Uh, this word afflicted uh, comes from the idea of looking down or being browbeaten or being depressed. And then that word to stray. Amen. Here it means a little different. It means going astray uh, to sin, either by deception or our own lust or ignorantly. Yeah. Meaning to sin or not it is still counted as sin. Going astray. You know, when you mess up, you just need to raise your hand and say, it's me, Lord. Forgive me. It's me, Lord. And sometimes you got to go to people. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Amen. And, uh, and uh, I've told the story many times about my mama. Uh, believe it or not, before I was young, there were no Nerf balls. You know what a Nerf ball is? Huh? Huh? They invented them during my lifetime. Huh? And I got one of them nice Nerf balls. Amen. And uh, my mom said, don't play with it in the house. Well, mom, that's what it's made for, you know? And so anyway, I rolled that ball and rolled down. Amen. And my, my mom, she liked these Chinese-looking things. And, and so I hit one of them Chinese porcelain things, and it, boop, 
Ooh, thank the Lord it didn't break. My mom said, don't you do it again. All right. But about 10, 15 minutes later, here I go again. And here I go. Something about the way the floor was, it ran to that spot every time and knocked it over. I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. And then I did it one more time. And that's when she, she said, you are not sorry. Because if you were truly sorry, you stop it. Come on. We need to be sorry enough that we stop our sin. We stop what we're doing. We stop that thing that's causing us to stray. And so it's important for us to understand that. Uh, then over in Psalm 119, 174, it said, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgment uh, help me. I have gone astray like a sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. God's looking for us. Oh, I thank the Lord. He's looking for us. Brother Ralph Horton, many years ago, one of his uh, uh, sermons that he preached several times talked about the hounds of heaven. Amen. Coming and seeking for us. I'm glad that the Lord uh, came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came looking for me. Amen. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't, I'm a first generation holiness person. My wife's second. My, I don't know, maybe third, but uh, I'm first generation. No one in my family, nobody except for my wife. I didn't know anybody in holiness, but it's right. Amen. It's right. It turned me. Amen. It made sense. You know why? Because they weren't always trying to justify how the Word of God doesn't apply for today. Amen. Psalms 28 and 9 said, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. Listen. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. And whosoever causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit, but the upright shall have good things in possession. You better keep your ear to the law. Do you appreciate the Word of God? Amen. Do you appreciate when the Word of God can jump out of that page into uh, uh, the year 2020? Amen. And point at you and say, you're guilty of this. Amen. What do you say when you read the Word of God and you're guilty of it? What are you doing? You know, my mom, another thing my mom used to teach me, she said, she'd tell me, uh, she'd say, don't do that. Okay. And then the next time she'd tell me, I told you not to do that. And then around the third time, oh, it'd get bad. I'd rather my dad beat me than my mom because she'd lose her temper and she'd remember all them other things that I needed to be punished for. But anyway, she taught me this. She said, you're not responsible for something you don't know. 
You're not responsible for something you don't know. Okay? But if you've been told, and if you've read in the Word of God, we become responsible. And so we must love the Word of God because the Word of God is not trying to keep us from having fun, keep us from um, being able to enjoy all that God has created. No! It is trying to keep us from the pit. It's trying to keep us from stumbling and falling. Amen. And losing our eternal soul. Amen. And so we must love His law. Amen. Um, and so don't turn your ear from the law. I've talked to different ones. I know we've got some here. Uh, but I've talked to some that, um, you know, were serving the Lord and decided to go out and to ink their body. To get tattoos. Now you see, if you were out in the world and you got inked, God will save you, ink and all. Okay? But God's Word is against us from that time forward desecrating the temple of God. Amen? We are not to be tattooed. Amen? We're not... Uh, parents, teach your children don't write on themselves. Sometimes you don't realize some of that ink could harm them. Amen? But these are things that are in the Word of God. And we should appreciate those things. Because they lead us and guide us how to live and walk day by day. This is not once every uh, at the end of every week or in the midweek service. This is every day. 24 hours, seven days a week. Amen. Uh, throughout the month, throughout the year, year after year. That's what God's wanting us. Amen. Don't turn here when it said he turneth away his ear from hearing. Mamas, daddies, you ever be talking to your son and they just. Huh? Woo, I tell you what, you didn't do that around my mama. Amen. Uh, she'd whop you, whichever way your head was. Amen. But uh, don't turn your head from God. Don't turn away from God because then you're turning back, turning away from Him. Um, Psalm 34 and 18 says, The Lord is not unto them that are of a broken and save as such as be of a contrite heart. Are you really sorry? Are you really sorry? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, Thou wilt not despise. Amen. And so, these are the scriptures that I, I felt to talk to us about those who are, if we're not careful, they're just straying. They're, they're leaving. They're going the wrong direction. Amen. But God does not want us to stray. Amen. And there is a difference between straying and rebelling and revolting. Yes. Come on. Um, that's why if you notice in the same chapter, two different stories. There's actually another story in here 
of uh, in this same chapter, it talks about the woman who lost one of her pieces of silver. Huh? Yeah. But this last one is about a boy, a young man. And he went to his dad and he wanted that part that went to him. There's a difference between straying and leaving. There's a difference between being deceived and rebelling against the law. Amen. This man, he wanted what was his. His father gave it to him and then he gathered up what he had and he left. He left his father behind. He left the rules of the house. He left uh, the, uh, having to come home at a certain time of day. Uh, he left that. That reminds me. You know, uh, Jacob and Esau. Huh? Two boys at home, right? Y'all remember the story? And, uh, and Sarah came to, to uh, her, uh, her son and said, uh, look, you, know, you need to make porridge and all that. Do what your mama told you. Huh? 30 years old he was. Hello? He was still home. He was still home. 30 years old. So was his brother. Amen. Still at home. Oh, amen. But here, uh, he left because he was sent. But here in this story about the prodigal son, amen, it's talking about one who took what he thought was his, what he deserved. Can I tell you something? I, I know he's in prison. He's lost all his uh, luster of what he's... But old Bill Crosby... He had a saying, his son asked him one, or came to him one day and said, Daddy, we're rich. And Bill looked back at him and said, I'm rich and you're poor. Come on. We don't deserve anything. Anything that we get, we are blessed. Anything. Amen. Anything. And uh, my mind has been going over about this, uh, all of this trouble about this one man who was uh, killed uh, wrongfully. Amen. Up in Minneapolis and all that. Uh, you know what? We're lily white in here. And we're privileged. You don't understand how privileged you are. You don't understand how blessed you are. By God allowing you to be blind. I mean, I'm sorry, born like we are. Yes. Amen. Yes. We need to have more compassion for the down and outers. Yes. Amen. But here, this young man, he said, Give me what is mine. He said, uh, and he didn't say it, he was nice about it. There's two types of rebellion there's an in your face rebellion, I'm not going to do what you say. And then there is that quiet rebellion. Huh? Where they, you know you're not supposed to do it, and they'll say, don't do that, and you just smile. Because as soon as you get out of their sight, you're going to do what you want to do. Can I tell you something? God sees you, God knows where you're at. And He knows if you're just going astray or if you're leaving. Leaving. And so, here. This young boy, he decides that he is going to leave his father. He's going to leave those rules. He's going to go off where nobody knows him. 
Well, let me tell you something. You'll always find somebody that knows you where you run off to. They're always. My wife and I were in Cairo, Egypt, on a bus, heading to the airport, and I bumped into a man I talked on to the telephone several times. Hello? Cairo, Egypt. You don't know. Over in Jeremiah, he said, They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces to the word, saying, Come, let us join ourselves to the Lord in perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from the mountain to the hill. They have forgotten their resting place. All that found them have devoured them. Their adversary said, We offend not because they have sinned against the Lord, the habitation of justice, even the Lord, the hope of their fathers. God knows which way we're heading. Amen. You know, do you, you, do you understand why there are so many churches in Bullock County? You ever thought about that? Why there are so many? I, I asked a bunch of Baptist preachers I caught one time. I said, what, what is with all y'all? Why can't y'all all just have one building, you know, and maybe share the pulpit or something like that? And they just looked at me and laughed, you know. Huh? They did. They can't get along. It's because this one will permit this and this one won't. But this one will permit something that one won't permit, so he gets it. Come on. You see what I'm talking about? There are teachers, amen, that are just itching the ears of those who want it their way. We've got to do it God's way. God's way. Ezekiel. Uh, wrote in Ezekiel 14.11 that the house of Israel may go no more astray from me neither be polluted any more with all their transgressions but that they may be my people and I may be their God saith the Lord there in that word transgression it talks about rebellion transgression, trespass rebelling against God revolting against His ways doing things my way. My way. Either we take everything that the God has given to us or you can't take bits and pieces. God says you've got to have it all. Second yeah. Yeah. Peter 2 and 15 which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam the son of Bozar who love the wages of unrighteousness. Sin cost. It'll cost you more than you ever imagined. Brother Horton said, sin will cost you more than you plan to pay and it will take you farther than you expect it to go. Colossians 2 and 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. 
You say, Brother Jeff, I, 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 I hear you, but I don't understand that. It means when someone comes up and tells you that's not for us today, you don't have to follow that. You better put a pin on that guy and say, you're a false prophet and you're a liar. You're teaching philosophies. You're teaching things that are contrary to the Scripture. I'm going to tell you something. If you find a Scripture in the Word of God that's against what you're doing, you need to stop it. Hello? Well, Brother Jeff, we're not under the law. No, we're not. We're not. The law does not save us. It is not my taskmaster. But I will tell you something about salvation. (laughs) Makes me happy every time I think about it. Amen. Because the Word of God, when Jesus comes into our hearts and our lives, He changes us. So that no longer do we have to go by them and this and all that. But instead now we will do by nature those things that are contained in the Word of God. He writes His law upon our hearts. Amen. But when I sin, it's still a sin. And it still has to have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to my life to have it washed away. Come on. Oh, but Brother Jeff, I just say I'm sorry again. Remember my story about the ball tipping over, huh? If you're really sorry, you'd stop it. There's a lot of people who go astray and then there are those who are revolting and are leaving. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Recognize the difference early on, okay? When you go and you find and talk to somebody and they say, well, I just don't want to talk about Jesus. That's not a going astray. A lot of times when I've gone to somebody who's messed up and sorry for it, you go and talk to them about the Lord and you know what? They begin to cry. And they want to come home. But maybe the devil's telling them they can't come home. And so I'm there to help them come home. But when they tell me, I don't want to hear about Jesus... I don't want to hear all about that goodness of Him. I don't want to hear about the Word of God. That's going and rebelling against God and leaving God. Be honest with yourself if you're doing that kind of thing. Well, I I could not tell you the people through the years that have asked me, are you saying I'm backslidden? Well, I'll ask you this question. Are you where you were when you first got saved? And at the high point of your spiritual walk. Huh? We're either going forward or we're sliding back, aren't we? Huh? Even good Christians sometimes, they may get diverted, get their attention, and may slide back. Amen? But it's an offensive thing to some folks now. You think I'm backslid? I don't know, are you? Which way are you heading? Are you coming toward Him? Or are you going away from Him? Jesus said, except you eat my uh, flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And many of His disciples went back. They said, this is too hard. This is a hard thing. And many left Him. Will you leave Him? He asked His disciples, will you leave Me too? 
No, Lord. I may not understand it, but I'm not going to I may not can understand this uh, this uh, hurricane or tsunami or whatever I'm in. I can't understand it, but I'm not leaving you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm holding on to you. I don't know about you, but I've been in places where there was nothing solid under your feet and uh, there wasn't anybody solid nearby that you could hold on to. And the only thing you could hold on to is Jesus. Hold on to Him. Don't let Him go. Amen. It doesn't matter how depressed you may get. It doesn't matter how far off to one side you may find yourself. Never give up on Jesus. He'll not give up on you. Amen. Over in uh, Isaiah 53 and 6, and I'm closing. Teresa will be getting, getting us a song. He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We've all gone astray. Sometimes people will use those scriptures to try to say that there's none that are righteous. No, not one. And that's right. Amen. We're all born in sin. But I want to tell you something. You can be righteous right now. Yes. by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes. This is probably not the best illustration. But when people leave church, and believe it or not, I've seen an awful lot that left church. They, uh, they come up with all kinds of excuses. I understand that. But somehow or another, it, it triggered in my mind that old worldly song about, it's called 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Y'all remember that song? And there's a chorus. It says, you just slip out the back, Jack. Make new plans, Stan. Think about it. Think about it. That's what they do. They just slip out the back, Jack. They make new plans, Stan. Missed you? Sorry, we have plans. Make a new plan, Stan. Don't be coy. No need, I'm sorry, you don't need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. Do you feel like you're bound in church? If you feel like you are bound here, then something's wrong with your experience. Christians, holiness people, they are the freest of the free. We do everything we want to do. We do it because of our love for Jesus and our desire to please Him and no one else. Hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the key leave. And get yourself free. Oh, Jesus. Don't leave oh, Jesus. your love. Don't leave Jesus. Don't walk the wrong direction. Oh, we have such a great Savior. Amen. Arms stretched out saying, Come. Come unto me. Come. You're hungry. 
you're thirsty, come unto me. And I will give you, amen, water that is free. I will give you bread and meat that is free. Come. You're tired. He says, come and I'll give you rest. Which way are you coming? I've dealt with some folks that have been coming this way for 20 years. I have. I had a couple old evangelists years ago say, is so-and-so still going to your church? I said, yeah. They said, you haven't run them off yet? No. No, I'm not going to. They're coming this way. Hello? By the way, I don't want to run anybody off. I don't want anybody to leave. But I want you to get right. If you're coming this way, you're coming toward Christ. That's what we're wanting. But can I tell you, you search out the Scriptures, those who have been told, turn around, turn around, been told, change this, change that. Bible says after a while, their neck gets hard. And they've made up their mind No, I'm not going to leave the Lord. I'm just going to... I'm just changing churches, Brother Tim. There's a lot that have said that to me. They're not in church today. And some tell me, well, Brother Jeff, we're just, we're just going to let, let up on, on this standard here. And let up a little bit on this standard here. Now they drink and party. And you can't tell no difference between them and the world. If you've gone astray, I'm here to help you. If you're wanting to come home, I'm here to help you. If you're hurting for some reason, I'm here to help you. I can't do it, but I'm here to help you draw you back toward Christ. He can do it all. He can do it all. Don't leave. Don't leave the church. Don't leave Jesus. Amen. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to invite all of us, if we would, to come and gather around this altar. I want to ask you to examine yourself and ask yourself, which way am I heading? Am I heading toward Christ? Or have I turned and headed the other direction? There's still time. Turn. Turn toward Him. Come. Let's pray. Let's seek after Him.